I just want to share part two of my sermon this morning. How many remembers the sermon this morning? Raise your hand. All right, 20 people. I said, how many remembers the sermon this morning? All right. You remember the sermon this morning? All right, we're going to do part two. And uh, there was so much stuff I wanted to share. I, I just thought that I'd trim it down just a little bit so I can uh, share with you tonight, finish what I started this morning. So the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, for I am sending you to the house of Jesse, for there I have provided myself a king among the brethren, or among the sons. So just for a few moments today, tonight I want to do part two of this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. Everybody shout, this is not what I expected. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it's not what I expected, but I love you anyway. <laughs> it's not what I expected. It's not what I expected. Um, I, uh, I want to say this before I go. I appreciate the elders of the church. Uh, I want to give honor to them. I gave honor to one of them this morning, but I want to just honor them before I get in my sermon. I, I want to give honor to Randy Miller. He's one of our elders here. Would you stand, Randy? Uh, just remain standing. Mike Allenball and David Yates, would you just give a great big God bless you to these elders. Let them know how much you appreciate them. And these elders, they assist me in whatever needs to be done in the ministry of the church, and they hold me accountable spiritually and morally. How many knows that's important? I mean, you don't want a crazy pastor, do you? How many ever met crazy pastors before? Oh. <laughs> Brandon, you'll raise two of your hands. <laughs> And so they assist me, hold me accountable, and uh, they advise me. They advise me, and they do a great job, and so I give honor to them. Would you give one more time, tell them your love and appreciate them today. Randy, would you ask the blessing over the preaching of the Word today? Would you ask the blessing over the preaching of the Word? And everyone shouted a great big, it's not what I expected. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we all can testify that life doesn't necessarily turn out the way we think it should have turned out. Sometimes life doesn't go the way that we anticipated. Sometimes we get unfortunate situations. Sometimes things happen that throws us for a loop. Somebody once said that life is like a carousel. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And sometimes you just go round and round. How many would raise your hand and say, I've been there before. I have went round and round in life. Life is not what sometimes we picture it to be. Sometimes life really does give us lemons. And our responsibility is not to change everything that happens that comes into our life. It is impossible for us to change everything that happens to us. The greater challenge, my friends, is to Make sure that whatever happens on the inside of you is beneficial for your spiritual growth. Now, there's a lot of breakdowns in the church, and I think that we need to have a breakthrough instead of breakdown. And the greater challenge is not just a breakthrough, but a stay through. Learning to be faithful and consistent in our relationship with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced that um, 
What really pleases God is not going on a missions trip, not feeding out, and those are all good and fine, feeding the poor, going on a missions trip, uh, doing uh, uh, service projects. Those are great. Those are good. Those are fine. They benefit the church. But the greater challenge is, is can you stay faithful to the Lord for decades? Do you have the ability to stay faithful to the Lord for decades? And when I signed up to serve the Lord, when I signed my name under the role of real commitment, I made a decision that backsliding is not in my vocabulary. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let down. I'm going to go forward. There is perseverance, tenacity, endurance inside of me because the Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. He has called me to finish. He did not call me to quit. He did not call me to lay down the cross before I get to the crown. He has called me to make it all the way. He didn't teach me how to swim to let me drown. He has called me to finish the race. How many would agree with me you want to finish the race? You want to finish the race. He's not called you to do it half-heartedly. He's called you to finish it with joy. How did Jesus finish the race? The Bible says He looked to the joy that was set before Him. And sometimes your perception is your passport. Sometimes your perception is your prison. And it, it really depends on how you look at things. It's your passport or your prison, your perception, how you view things. And yes, life doesn't turn out the way we think it should. Sometimes life really turns out, uh, uh, sometimes it throws us for a loop and we are shocked and we're, uh, it, we, sometimes we're bunfuzzled, so to speak. Sometimes we scratch our head and we wonder what is happening. It's not what we anticipated. And in our text tonight that I read this morning, you see the story of Saul, how Saul was, was, uh, was the king of Israel. And it's interesting that it wasn't God's plan for Israel to have a king. Israel wanted a king really, really bad. They wanted to be like the neighboring nations. They wanted to be like other nations. They wanted it really bad, and so God granted their request and gave them a king. And let me say this, and let me say it loud and clear, that just because you want something real bad doesn't mean it's God's will. And sometimes we can go in the Rolodex of our mind to try to justify something because we want it so bad. And the children of Israel wanted a king. They wanted it really bad, and so God granted it, gave him a king, and it was Saul. Saul, the Bible says, was handsome, he was tall, he had the talent, he had the good looks, but guess what? It's not what they expected. King Saul wasn't what they expected. He was full of insecurities, he was full of jealousy. You know, he was after David, he had an evil eye on David, tried to kill David multiple times. He ended his life in suicide. It's not what they expected. And here in chapter 16, Samuel is mourning the death of their king. He's mourning the death of Saul. And the Bible says that God said to Samuel, I want you to quit your mourning and I want you to go down to the house of Jesse because there's somebody there that's going to be the next king. In other words, God was saying to Samuel, I want you to leave behind Saul because there is a brighter future for you. Leave behind Saul and go get the one that I've chosen for the nation. In other words, go get David. Ladies and gentlemen, I know this is a story of the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, but you can put yourself in the story. And we are reminded tonight that in our spiritual journey, sometimes we are held captive in our past. Sometimes we are held captive by Saul. Saul represents the past. 
We are held captive by the past, and because we are held captive by the past, we can't progress in the future, and we can't obtain what God wants us to have because we're still living in the past. We're still living with Saul. And I, I don't know about you, but I believe that we got some believers tonight that you made up your mind this morning that you're leaving behind Saul because you know David is much better than Saul. Your future is better than your past, and you got more to live for than you ever come, come on some you've got a reason to live for your future is better than your past David is better than Saul can somebody wave your hand and say my future is better my future is better my, David is better than Saul ladies and gentlemen sometimes we get in a rut we get in a rut we, we, and sometimes our performance and our identity is based upon what we do it's based upon our, 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 it's based upon our gifts and our talents and our callings but ladies and gentlemen, it's more than that. Your identity has to be based upon who you know to be in Jesus. Now, this is what I want you to see very quickly. Number one, if you're going to move on in God, if you're going to pro progress in God, because this is important that we understand something, and, and it's very, very important that we see this, and that is this, that if you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to know God, if you claim to have a relationship with Jesus, then you should be progressing in your relationship with God. You should be moving in a relationship with the Lord. You should not be stagnant. You should not be in one place. You should be making progress in your relationship with Christ. You see, the first two letters of the word God is go, because God is a missionary God. God is a missional God. God is more concerned about mission than he is about the machine. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we worship the machine rather than exalt the mission. God is all about movement. He is not about monuments. He's about movement. He's about mission, not the machine. He's about going and progressing and advancing. Is there anybody in the building tonight, you made up your mind that you have too much just to sit around and do nothing. You've got something in the future that God has for you to do. Can I hear an amen? There, I hear the Spirit of the Lord say this tonight. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say that in your valley there is there is value in your valley. In your groans, there is growth. In your wilderness, there is wisdom. And in your dry places, there is direction. You've got to make a decision, change your perception that God has called me to progress. And it doesn't matter what the obstacles may be or how strong the wind may be. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to make movement in my spiritual life. Come on, somebody. That means I'm going to start praying more than I prayed last year. I'm going to read more than I read last year. I'm going to witness have you ever thought about this? Have you ever won somebody to Jesus? Are you progressing in your faith? Are you making it a habit of sharing your faith with somebody? Are you growing in your witness and influence to the world? Are you giving more than you gave last year? Come on, somebody. Are you making progress in your spiritual life? You see, I, I've learned one thing, that as Christians, if we are not growing, we are drifting back. We don't naturally grow we don't naturally grow, ladies and gentlemen. We don't naturally grow. People don't just naturally grow towards growth. They don't, they don't drift towards growth. People drift away from growth, and people naturally drift towards complacency and dryness. And if you are not intentionally preparing to grow, then you are unintentionally preparing for decline. It's called the law of thorough dynamics. The law of thorough dynamics says that everything in the world is going downhill. Everything. 
And if you don't, how many can testify to that? That's why people got to get this lifted and this tucked and this lifted and this cut because the law of thermodynamics says everything is going downhill. And that means your spiritual life. So if you're not progressing forward, guess what? You're progressing back. If you are not intentionally growing, you are unintentionally preparing for decline. And that is why we get stuck in a cycle and we get in this functional bondage. We're stuck in a cycle because we haven't broke the cycle of unintentional decline in our life. Let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to be intentional about growing in Christ. If you, if you don't have a plan to grow, you're going to plan to fail. If you don't have a Bible study plan, if you're not witnessing, if you're not giving, if you're not serving, it's amazing to me people come to church and feel like they don't need to serve. That means you're not growing. You don't, your mindset is stuck in a rut. You think that you know, it's good enough to come to a church. Listen, God has not called you to sit, sour, and soak. He hasn't called you to come to church and join a group, a small group called the Wound Licking Fest, where we get together and lick our wounds and how hurt we've been by the church. God has called you to make progress. You are responsible for your healing. You're not responsible for the wounds of your life. You're not responsible for what people did to you, but you are responsible for your healing. And sometimes you've just got to get up and take a, take a step of faith and realize, listen, I am not responsible for what happened to me, but I am responsible for my life, and I've got to make the appropriate decisions to go forward so that I could be the man and woman that God has called me to be. Can I hear an amen? I said, can I hear an amen? Listen, don't ask God, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. Don't ask God to lead you and guide you if you're not willing to move your feet. If you're not willing to move your feet, then you're not making progress. You're not making progress. You've got to, you've got to not, only, not only do you have to move, but you've got to move with God's plan. So, number one, I said this morning, if you're going to progress in God, if you're going to move with God, if you're going to walk with God and progress with God, number one, you've got to learn. This is a quick review. Uh, and, but, you, but you can write it down if you could get it in your spirit again. Number one, you must learn to move on without the closure you thought you needed. You must move on without the closure that you thought you needed. Not everybody's going to uh, feel closure in your life. Not everybody is going to feel like that season of your life was closed so you can move on. And that's the trick of the enemy is to convince you that you need closure in a certain area so that you can move on. How many would testify that there are people in your life that's done you wrong, that will never apologize, never admit that they've done anything wrong, they're not going to bring closure in your life. But you've got to make a decision that whether they come to me or make it right, I've got to decide to move on with my life. So if you're going to move on, if you're going to move on with God, you've got to make a decision that sometimes you're not going to have closure about certain things, but you've got to move on anyway. You've got to move on anyway. You've got to move on anyway. Number two, you've got to learn that if you're going to move on with God, you must learn to move on without details. Sometimes you're not going to have all the details, but you've got to move on anyway. Remember 1 Samuel 16? God said to Samuel, I want you to go down. I want you to go to the house of Samuel. And it's there that you're going to find the next king. Nowhere in this scripture do you find a description of what David's going to look like. There's not a detailed description of who the boy is. He just had to make a step and go to the house of Jesse. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to follow God, sometimes you're going to have to go 
even when you don't have all the details. You remember Abraham? The Bible says in the book of Genesis, God called Abraham to take his son and go to the mountain in which I will show you. He didn't know what mountain to go to, but as he went, God showed him the mountain. Sometimes you're not going to have all the details, but you have to make movement anyway. You've got to make movement anyway. You've got to move on anyway, even when you don't have the details. Amen? Number three, you've got to understand that if you're going to move on with God, God doesn't use perfect people. God uses imperfect people, but let me say something. He will never use somebody he can't trust. Saul, God couldn't trust Saul because Saul was envious of David. Saul was jealous, deep-seated issues. God couldn't trust him. But God could trust David, and David was imperfect. Remember the Bible says that David had a heart after God. He was a man after God's heart. Now listen, David didn't have the heart of God. He had a heart after God. And see, that tells me that sometimes we're, we're imperfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're imperfect. We're going, to, we're going to make ridiculous decisions. Sometimes we don't got the mind of God, and sometimes we don't got the heart of God. But in the midst of that, you should always be pursuing after God's heart. Can I hear an amen? How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I've not always had the heart of God, but I've always had a desire to seek after His heart. David had a heart after God. He had a heart after God. God uses imperfect people. He used David because he was imperfect. Now listen, you've got you to be faithful to God in the God gap. Remember what the God gap is? The God gap, the God gap is what you are doing and what you can be doing don't match. You see, what you are doing right now and what you have the potential to do don't match. In other words, what I'm practicing right now doesn't match my potential. Boy, I'm a great preacher. I have the potential to preach to thousands. But I'm cleaning the bathrooms on Saturday night at the church. It doesn't match. I know that I could do greater things, but why am I just the janitor at the church? You see what I'm saying? God says, if you're going to be elevated to a place of promotion, you've got to learn to be faithful in the God gap. Even when your practice and your potential doesn't match, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be faithful cleaning the toilets. You've got to be faithful. Listen, you've got to be faithful cleaning the church. Whatever you've called to do, you've got to be faithful to it and don't walk in a spirit of entitlement thinking that you deserve to have that. That's a spirit of entitlement. You've got to cast the spirit of entitlement away. It's a privilege to serve. Whatever capacity that He's called you to serve, it's a privilege to serve. I said it's a privilege to serve. Now listen, David, listen to this. David had the ability to be king. He was anointed as king. He had the ability to be king. But his responsibility was tending sheep. Can you be faithful tending sheep even though you, even though you know you're anointed to be king? Can you be faithful to God can you be faithful to God and tending sheep when you know you're anointed to do something greater? Oh, hallelujah. It's the God gap. And many people miss out on God because they don't understand the God gap. 
They don't understand potential and they don't understand practice. But God says, I want you to be faithful in the midst of that. It's not about, listen, it's not about your talents. It's about the calling of God to be a disciple. That's what we're called to do, is to be a disciple. Your ability, your ability sometimes won't match your responsibility. Your practice won't always match your potential. But you've got to be faithful in the God gap. You've got to be faithful in the God gap. And when you are faithful in the God gap, there will be a promotion. There will be a season that will come that God will promote you. Listen to this preacher. One season, David was a shepherd, and the next season, David was a king because he was faithful. One season, Ruth was working in the field, and the next season, she was owning the same field. Because God said that if you're faithful, I will promote you. One season, Mordecai was sitting outside the king's palace, and the next season, he was inside the palace. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God who can turn things around. We serve a God who can promote you from one season to another season, but he will not promote laziness. He will not promote people who will not be faithful in tending the sheep. If you cannot tend the sheep, don't expect to play the harp. If you can't tend the sheep, don't expect the microphone. If you can't tend the sheep, don't expect promotion. We serve a God who promotes people who are faithful in the God gap. If you're called to preach, then you need to pick up a broom and sweep the floors. Because if you're committed to that, then I can then I, that shows faithfulness to the house of God. You're just not going to get a microphone. I started cleaning the toilets, and you're going to start cleaning the toilets. But pastor, I'm anointed to preach. You may be. You may be anointed. You may have the ability to preach the house down. But your responsibility right now is to tend to the sheep. And if you're responsible with the sheep, God will send you to the palace. Can I hear an amen? So let's rebuke the spirit of entitlement thinking, oh, I, I need that. The preacher overlooked me. He's not giving me an opportunity. It is God who promotes. It's God who exalts. Can you be faithful in the God gap? Can you be faithful in the God gap? That's why immature people sometimes have to stay in a crisis in order for them to be committed. They're so immature that they're always in a crisis because that's the only way they'll be committed to God. And that's why God said to the children of Israel, can you be faithful to me even in your prosperity? That's why he said, when you go to Canaan land, when you, when you possess the land, I want you to put up memorials, and I want you to tell your children's children that I was the one that brought you out, not the gods of Baal. I want you to know that in your prosperity, you can't forget me. And some people forget God in their prosperity. So God, they always got to stay in some kind of crisis because they can't be committed unless they're in a crisis. You see, number four, God works through incremental development. This is what I want to share with you tonight. I know I've reviewed a little bit, but that's I wanted to review. I want you, when you leave today, the Word of God is in you. You heard it all day. Amen? Can I hear an amen? God, number four, this is new. God works through incremental development. 
What do I mean by that? You're just not developed overnight. Now listen to me. You're going to, you hear me talk about growth all the time. I mean, you, some of you that's went to church here, I pastored the church for nine years. I'm always talking about spiritual growth or growing or discipleship or reading or study. So because I have developed my life, that's what I do. I have went to school. I've developed my life. I love that. I love the spiritual aspect. I love the spiritual aspect. I was raised. I was raised. Isn't that right, Donna? Donna's my family right here. Donna and Larry, you know. I was raised in old school with my grandma. Is this right, Donna? Grandma stacked her hair. She shout. She shout. I mean, I was raised in old school. Y'all know what old school is? Some of you don't. Sean knows. Sean, I know Sean knows. He didn't even have a TV until he was 20 years old. So Sean was. <laughs> he had to wear gym. He had to wear jogging pants to the gym class. You know, he was old school. <laughs> Till I come along and pastor the church, and they all got free. No, I'm just joking. Seriously, seriously. So, anyway, uh, and the only reason they got free is because the air conditioner went out at 117 degrees weather on a Sunday night, you know. And so I was clothed. I was holy back then. I was clothed from the... I was clothed. I'm still clothed, but you know what I'm saying. I had I had shirt and a tie. I mean, I was holy until the air conditioner went out, and I thought, well, maybe we can get free a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And I hear an amen. Can we just thank God for the person that invented air conditioning? Somebody give God praise. Come on, somebody give God praise. Come on, somebody throw your head back and say, I know it's right. I know it's right. I know it's right. It's tight, but it's right. Amen. <laughs> so, where was I? What, what did that have to do with my sermon? Okay, what was I talking about? Okay, yes, so I was, yes, yes, yes. So I was raised, my grandparents took me to church, I was raised in all that environment, but yet I love the Word, and I like the intellectual part of it, I like to discuss the, I like both, Word and Spirit, I love it both, Word and Spirit. If you have all Word, you dry up. If you have all Spirit, you blow up. But if you have both, you grow up. Can I hear an amen? You ever went to a a Pentecostal church and they never had it? No, no sermon was ever preached. You know, those church services were like, well, we had church because the preacher didn't even preach. We don't want to get like that. Once in a while it's okay, but we don't want to develop that. And then you go to some churches and they have an excellent preacher, but ain't no move of the Spirit. It's dry. Come on, somebody. But can we have a Pentecostal church that is full of excitement, full of life, full of passion, and have the Word of God? Can we have both? I think we can. I think we can. So anyway, so one of the things I learned in my life is that i got to be intentional about growing. Because if I'm not intentional about it, I'll digress. And so I've learned in my life that God works in incremental development. In other words, He don't develop you overnight. And you say, well, pastor, is He ever done? No, He's never done. He is the potter, you're the clay, and he is never done. There's seasons where there's completions. But he's always working on you. And there's incremental development. Listen, one of the things I've learned about growing in God is this. That there is a place that he takes you to grow you, but also there's a pace in which he takes you. Place and pace. What is the place that God has put you so you can grow? For most of you, it's Christ's point. 
He's placed you here so you can grow spiritually as corporately, but you should take the responsibility privately as well. So He's put you in a place, but also the pace is up to you. The pace is up to you. How fast you grow is up to you. That is why there are some Christians that's 30 years old and they act like they're 60 years old in the faith because they were intentional about the pace. And there are some Christians that's 60 years old and they act like an infant in the church because they never understood that you are responsible for the pace of your growth. I, I know how well you're growing by what you say out of your mouth. The children of Israel left the land of Egypt and they complained about going back. Boy, Moses, we should have been left in Egypt because in Egypt, at least we had garlic and fish. But in the, this promised land, we have manna. You know what garlic is? Garlic smells bad on your breath. And when you live in Egypt for too long, your speech will tell what place of growth that you are in. There will be garlic on your breath. It will indicate you're still in Egypt. Because in Egypt they ate garlic, they were accustomed to garlic, and God says, I'm going to deliver you from garlic, and I'm going to take you out of Egypt and bring you into Canaan land, and I'm going to give you milk and honey and deliver you from garlic. So how do I know I'm growing? I know you're growing by what comes out of your mouth. If it's negativity, you're still in Egypt. Gossip, you're still in Egypt. You're not growing. There's a difference between having a critical mind and having a critical spirit. You can be critical about something and bring attention to the leaders and be critical about it in a healthy way. But then there's a critical spirit that downgrades people. And we've got to learn the difference. A healthy person will go to the source. Hold on, somebody help me out. A healthy person will go to the source. Who said what? Source. Then they will consider the force. How many said it? Then they consider the course. What am I going to do about it? That's a healthy mindset. A healthy mindset don't talk behind people's back. They go to the source, consider the force, and then they consider the course. Can I hear an amen? You see what I'm saying? Different perception. The pace of your growth. You have a different mindset. You're going forward. You're growing. You're not stagnant. God is a missionary God. God is a, a God of movement. You are moving and progressing. I want to let you know today, church, I want to be better. I want to be a better preacher next year than I am this year. I want to be a better pastor next year than I am this year. I want to be a better giver next year than I am this year. Hallelujah. I want to progress in God. Have you ever thought about writing down some things you need to grow in? The place and the pace. Listen, let's not ask God to go to the next level if you're just barely making it at the level that you're in. 
We're, oh God, take me to the next level. Oh God, take me to the next level. Oh God, I want to go higher. You really, you're stressed out at the level that you're at. We, come on. We ask you to teach Sunday school and you've got to take a Xanax to make it through. You want to go to the next level? Can I hear an amen? Oh, I want, I want to go higher with God. And you can't come to prayer meeting? You can't serve a little extra? Can't come to church? You can't push yourself, but you want to go higher. You see, it doesn't make sense. We say we want to grow. We say we want to go higher. But listen, the words of Jesus is more than just shouting about it. The words of Jesus is to be obedient about it. Jesus demands obedience. It's one of the things I learned. I'm almost done. One of the things I learned about progressing with God is that the way that He's taken you, get this, the way He's taken you, the way makes you, but the when exposes you. In other words, when you're walking with God, the way that you're going is intended to develop you. And then when God exposes you, which is the when, it exposes what you've already done. A champion isn't a champion in the ring. They're just merely recognized. The reason that they're a champion is because they worked day and night for years before they were ever exposed. The reason that people are elevated quickly and you see an anointing on their life, you don't know the way they were taken before they were ex exposed. You don't know what was happening behind closed doors. You don't know the fasting and the prayer and the sacrifice that was going on behind closed doors and it's God that quickly elevates people. You hear me? Now, this is what I want to make sure you understand. Now, get this. This is so important. Remember David? David was anointed as king as a little boy. And actually, the Scripture says he was anointed three times in the course before he was actually king. Well, the third time he was actually king when he was anointed. Incremental anointments. Incremental growth. And then he was king. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. He killed Goliath. And then he became king. Incremental development. Get this. The palace, the throne, shepherd boy, he ascended. And how do you ascend? Do you ascend by your talent? Do you ascend by your gifts? You ascend by growth. He grew into a king. He was anointed as, as a child, but he grew into it. In other words, listen to this preacher. In other words, you've got to make sure that your ascension don't outpace your development. You've got to make sure your ascension don't outpace your development. And that is why churches fall apart. That is why pastors fall apart. It's because we see the big prize and we want that 
and we ascend real quick, but we're not developing as quick as we're ascending. And so therefore we crumble. You've got to make sure that your ascension doesn't outpace your development. You've got to make sure it doesn't outpace your development. I don't know about you. Whatever God has for me, most of all, it's all about Him and His glory. It's not about fulfilling my dreams. It's about Christ being formed in me. Whatever He has me to do is for His glory, not mine. Is that, is that understood? And as I grow, because you don't, you don't need to get the mindset that it's all about the prize, it's all about the glory, it's all about exaltation, that's humanism. It's all about Christ being formed in you and you being made in the likeness of Christ and Him getting all the glory. Is that alright? And whatever God has for you, it's for His glory. And so when you ascend, God is developing you. And why is He developing you? Because He's making you. And it's called sanctification. Growth and development. Forming you into the image of Christ. Sometimes, I'm going to close with this, sometimes we get discouraged because it, it's not what we expect. I'm reminded of the story. This is so good. I'm reminded of the story in John chapter number 5, I, I do believe. No, John 11. 11. John 11 verse 5. John 11 verse 5. And I'm going to close with this because sometimes whatever we do, we've got to know that God loves us. Because it doesn't turn out what you expect. Life doesn't turn out what you expect it to be. But there's one thing we can be certain of, and that is Christ loves us. Alright? It doesn't always turn out the way we think it should, but we can know that God loves us. John chapter 11, verse number 5, and this is interesting to me, verse number 5, and it's the story of Lazarus. Verse number 5, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister and Lazarus. Now, I want all of us, as loud as you can, I want you just to say that verse with me. Okay? On the count of three. You ready? All of us participate, all right? This is a participatory church, if that's a word. If not, that sounded really smart, and I'm proud of myself. All right, so all together, I want you to say <laughs> Brandon's a blue. Is that a word, Mr. Administrator? Is it? Okay, good. All right, good. So verse number 11, as long as you approve, I, I, I'm good. Brandon's very good. We'll be sitting in church. He's like, that's spelled wrong. That's not, and I'm just like, well, you know, I may think it's, but you know, I see the big picture. I was like, well, let's just have, just let the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so at staff meeting, Brandon's like, we've got to make sure that's changed. But anyway, I love you, Brandon. You're awesome. Verse number five. Let's all say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Well, you all are disunified, my Lord. Let's say one more time in unity. Ready? One, two, three. Now, Jesus, Martha, sister. Okay. Did Jesus love Martha? Did Jesus love her sister? Did Jesus love Lazarus? Now look at verse 6. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now hold on. 
Go to back to verse 5. Read that one more time. One, two, three. Stop. Now verse number 6 says this, And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days. Now stop. That don't make sense to me. Bro. Dude. Broseph. If you know you love me, why are you staying two more days when you know I'm sick? Y'all know if that happened now? You're dying up at Mercy Hospital and I don't show up to two days later? You'd be getting on Facebook, that pastor. He don't care nothing about it. I've been in this hospital for four days. I've been throwing I'm in sick. He don't care. He, it's all about money. Y'all know it ain't about money. But that's our mindset. And you know what? I probably would think the same way. I, if I was Martha, I'd probably think, dude, what's up with you? You stayed two more days. If you really love me, you could at least send me a text message. Y'all, can I, amen. You ever met somebody? You send them a text message and they don't respond to 24 hours later? Brandon. But anyway, that's just joking. <laughs> Brandon, I love you. Give me a high five. I love you. Brandon, you got a new phone, and I'm so proud of you. Give it up for Pastor Brandon. New phone. Anyway, so, and the response is, dude, I didn't see it. But whatever, whatever. I've been hurt in the ministry before. Two more days? I'm just joking with you, Brandon. I love you. I really do love you. But two more days, two more days, this is what I want you to see. If you are convinced and you have a conviction that He loves you, verse number 5, you are convinced with an undying conviction that He loves you, then that means verse 6 must be working for my good. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say it one more time and maybe you'll get it. If you are convinced that verse number 5 is true, that He really, really does love you, and you have an undying conviction that He really loves you, then verse number 6 must be not for my bad it must be working for my good. So I want to let you know that when life doesn't turn out the way you think, I want to remind you that you are still loved and He's still working for you. He's still working for you. And the reason that we get discouraged is because we're not verse 5 people. We're more concerned with verse 6 than we are verse 5. You have to be convinced that verse 5 is a conviction. Because if not, verse 6 will cause you to live in discouragement. Can I say it one more time? 
up in this Pentecostal church? Ha! Can I say it one more time, Sister Joyce? Ha! In this Pentecostal church, if you are convinced ha, that verse number 5 ha, is for your good, if you're convinced that verse number 5, that Jesus loves you, then you should be convinced that verse 6 is for your good. It doesn't matter how it turns out. It doesn't matter who leaves. It doesn't matter who stays. It doesn't matter what they say. I know that verse 5 is He loves me. He loves me. You have to be convinced. 